He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. Adding inventory is the biggest way that you can move the needle in your business right now, right? So most part, most of our partners that we have, most vacation managers currently right now, they've got, they have no inventory on their shelves, right? But they've got all these people, you know, these shoppers, if you will, going to their website, looking for inventory and they don't have it in there. So by adding one new property, your, your acquisition cost on those guests is virtually zero because you already have this, you know, like right now, like I, I have a property in Bethany Beach, Delaware. I had uh, two weeks cancel. I, I jacked the rates up by 25% and I literally booked both weeks within, um, within uh, uh, 12 hours. I had another cancellation a couple of weeks later. I jacked rates up again, you know, even additional. And uh, I had it booked within two hours. So again, you have this existing traffic already coming to it. So again, it's found money at this point. So every new property we say, it's like, Adding one property is like adding is like booking a hundred guests if you look at it that way because you're in, you're going to end up converting that. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. What's up, all my Slick Talkers? This episode is brought to you by my friends at Hostfully. Now, these are the days where enough is enough with managing multiple calendars for your properties in order just to make sure you don't get double booked. And not having a website for your guests to get to know your story and book direct? You can stop stressing, at least a little bit, and check out my friends at Hostfully. Hostfully was created by hosts for hosts, and they understand the importance of centralizing operations, inboxes, calendars, and of course, keeping up with the times and the industry data. You can go to hostfully.com, use my code SLICKTALK20 to get access to their digital guidebooks and their property management software. I use them as well, and I love the simplicity of their product. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now sit back and enjoy. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Will Slickers. And again, we say this often, every guest on Slick Talk is a great guest. But I'm excited about this because this is a topic um, I feel like hasn't really been covered a ton. We're always talking about how to get more direct bookings, how to get this, how to set up systems, how to do this. But growing inventory, growing a portfolio and a qualified portfolio, I think is going to be an interesting one to talk about. So we have the man, the myth, the legend who has created Vintory, if you haven't heard of him. And Brooke, we are so excited to have you on the show today. Let's uh, dive in. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Will. Big fan of the uh, podcast. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. It's always, uh, it's always good to hear that we're doing some good work over here, but um, I'm excited just because as a property manager myself, you know, I think I kind of told you the backstory, but we're, we're starting over from scratch as a brand new company, uh, 2021 and getting inventory, you know, back in the day, I felt like maybe it was a little bit easier, uh, but now it's just like, there's so much uh, demand and not enough inventory. So uh, I think this is a really good fitting episode. I know I'm going to learn a lot. I know the audience is going to learn a lot, but um I want to dive into your story. I, I think you have a really unique and fascinating story. So let's jump in in the beginning where you kind of started getting into this industry. Yeah, like, well, thanks again for having me. Um, the 
like everybody, I just kind of stumbled into it, right? I actually was in mortgage banking, believe it or not. And uh, so going from mortgage banking into uh, vacation rentals isn't necessarily a direct path, but uh, I was in a group called YPO, Young Presence Organization, built up a pretty successful uh, mortgage company. And uh, unfortunately, though, because of uh, the 2007 kind of financial crisis, uh, you know, had some some options, had to make some tough decisions. And uh, I was in a group called YPO and a guy that was in my group said, hey, Brooke, why don't you come help me, you know, start a, a vacation rental company and, uh, you know, let's do it. So I, I thought about it and, uh, you know, I was making reverse paychecks with my mortgage company. You know, every two to three weeks, I was making twenty to $30,000 paychecks to cover uh, our payroll. And uh, so, yeah, le leaped into the vacation rental industry back in 2007 and uh, founded a company called Vantage Resort Realty in Ocean City, Maryland. And uh, just really from from the start, wanted to do something a little bit different. Uh, you know, the the kind of the the hospitality in Ocean City at the time was, you know, my I was joke, you know, here your keys, get the hell out. You know, it was the kind of the hospitality. So I wanted to build something a little bit different. And um, we did that. So. We, uh, I took a lot of my experience from the mortgage business, you know, in the sales and marketing and kind of incorporated that into Vantage. And we grew that company pretty quickly. So in about five years, uh, we, we grew that company to about 500 properties uh, under management, um, which I didn't really think was that big a deal until, you know, because my biggest competitor in that market was a company called Caldwell Banker and they had 4,000 properties under management. Oh, wow. So yeah. for, for me having 500, I thought I was still small because to me, I, you know, I thought, you know, we, we had to get to, you know, that 4,000 number to kind of be number one. And, mm -hmm. you know, you know, the kind of the common day, uh, you know, question of like, how many head of uh, cattle do you have is, you know, how many properties do you manage? And I remember going to conferences and asking, there are people that asked me how many properties I had. And I told them 500 and, you know, a lot of them, their jaws would drop. And I didn't, <laughs> think, I didn't think it was that big a deal, but I guess I found out later that that was, uh, that was a lot of inventory, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I did that for about five years. I learned that I really enjoyed the sales and marketing sides of things. And I didn't uh, necessarily, I wasn't a very good operator. I wasn't a good COO or a, a GM, if you will. Uh, so I had an option of, uh, you know, selling my, my company advantage to my partner. And I went down to Orlando where I became chief business development officer for a large vacation rental company down there. Mm -hmm. Did that for another five years, really learned a ton as they expanded into multiple markets. Um, and really just built up a team. And I could only focus on just that, on inventory acquisition. Um, like I said, did that for five years. And then uh, my wife came to me and said, hey, you know, when are you actually going to live at home with us? Because <laughs> I was living out of a suitcase for 10 years, you know, five years in Ocean City and then five years in Orlando. And uh, so I had the opportunity to work for uh, LiveRes uh, as the VP of sales and marketing, but I could do that from home and do that remotely. So did that for uh, another two years. And then we, we launched Ventory and that kind of leads us to where we are today. That's incredible. And that, there's so much to unpack. I'm like taking notes as you're going. I'm trying to keep up with the timeline. And I just, the one thing I've seen throughout the whole podcast, like with other guests um, from three years ago to even today, is that there's a lot of niches inside our specific niche of yeah. hospitality. That's like fun. you chose, like a lot of people pick trust or revenue management or dynamic pricing or like, well, revenue management, dynamic pricing, same thing. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? The, and then you pick inventory as your your number one spot, which I just find super fascinating. Um, and I want to learn, I guess my big question as the operator side with your guys' um, main company that you had with 500 units what are the differences that you're seeing operators have now than you had when you guys were growing? Like, so when you guys were scaling up to that 500 mark, is there any comparables from companies that you guys are signing on today with Ventory and how you're helping them find new qualified properties? 
Well, I think that in general, just the entire industry has really grown up. And uh, it's funny, I was at a conference with Jason Sprinkle a couple of years ago and we kind of were chuckling. He's like, man, what? look at our little industry. What what happened? You know what I mean? It used to be just everyone coming in and flip flops and Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> now we've got all this, you know, San Francisco uh, metrosexuals and, and things it's completely, <laughs> you know, changed. So in you know, Silicon Valley, it was in, in town. So it just, it did change a lot. So um, you know, it, it's definitely grown up. Uh, it, it's become, you know, the entire industry has become more sophisticated. Um, you know, back then, like, I guess when I was, you know, even, I guess, even pre me starting Vantage, you know, a lot of these companies, when they would, you know, grow their inventory, it was really just word of mouth. They didn't really have any really proactive outreach. Um, you know, but then what I did, you know, you know, when I started Vantage is I, I learned every, like I said, I took everything that I learned from my mortgage marketing days and I kind of incorporated to this. And that's why I think we were able to grow so fast where, you know, Caldwell Banker, you know what they did for their inventory acquisition? They sent one postcard a year in September. That was literally their inventory acquisition strategy. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of lifted it up a little bit and did a little bit more proactive uh, outreach uh, and it worked. And I think, you know, today's you know, kind of companies are doing that, right? They're having a more proactive approach and they're not just waiting for people to kind of call, you know, call in, and, you know, on the inbound yeah. basis. Uh, they, they have to be a little bit more uh, proactive. No, that's really good. And I, I, I want to dive in on that postcard strategy really quickly. I know we're going to cover about five or so uh, hacks for property managers to gain inventory, but this one uh, we've personally attempted uh, it, was a, it was a soft attempt. It wasn't like a huge, like we're going to throw $20,000 or whatever into this car like campaign. But uh, I'm curious to know for you guys on the Vintory side, what are the differences, maybe one or two things from a good mailing campaign to a bad one that gets you like <laughs> one click from a homeowner that you don't want to have sign up on your program? Well, I mean, with direct mail, I mean, I guess there's a couple, there's so many different things to unpack there. I mean, the first thing, again, we can, we'll drill into some of these, but data, right? You know, you could have yeah. the best, you have the best, uh, you know, looking postcard or direct mail piece in the world. But if you're sending it to the wrong data, the wrong list, it doesn't you know, do you a lick of good. So, you know, starting off with a good data is a big portion of it. Um, and direct mail, the key with direct mail is consistency, though. You just have to be consistent, but it does work. Over time, you know that that consistent drip works. So often, what happens? A lot of people do is they end up sending one or two postcards, and it does, they don't get a lot of responses, and they yeah. just quit it. But you really need to be persistent and consistent with it. Um, but you know the the basics, right? You know, having a good call to action, um, having a good compelling offer, um, you know, on there, you know, give some kind of a, a, a risk a, a risk guarantee. A risk, yeah. Um, you know, and just making uh, making sure that you know you're you're giving you're explaining your USPs, your unique selling propositions, your features and benefits, and then uh, risk reversals. I'm sorry, was the word I was looking for there. And just you have those risk reversals, so you give it. So there's really no excuse for anybody uh, not to call and, gotcha. and kind of dial in. No, that's awesome. That's really good. Um, well, no, there's again still so much to unpack. So with your, uh, let's talk about Vantage a little bit more. I just want to kind of get your perspective. Um, with those 500 units, when you're doing the marketing sales side, was that all strictly for homeowners or were you guys doing a lot of guest campaigns as well in order to increase the traffic of, you know, bookings and reservations and all other stuff? Yeah. You know what? We, I'll be honest. We, we got very lucky just in the timing of like when we started. Um, so we started again in 2007. Um, so yes, most of our marketing, our, our, our outreach was getting in new owners, but obviously you still got to get guests. 
Yeah. And it's, I'll, I'll date myself. You know, I remember like starting this business, I had no idea what I was doing, you know, and yeah. I'm like, all right, well, how do we get guests? You know, Cobalt Banker has been in business for 40 years. You know what I mean? So they've got a database of guests and, you know, are just, you know, constantly coming back year after year after year. I didn't obviously have that. So my first inclination was to uh, literally put an ad in the Washington Post and the Baltimore Sun. You know, and that was going to be my my strategy to get gas. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I don't think I ever even like lo- put one out there because again, this is 2007. You know, Airbnb, like I think they just launched, but they really didn't have any kind of uh, brand at that point. Yeah. But there was a little company called HomeAway, and we did start. Lo- we loaded a couple. I, you know, I just went online and I googled vacation rental. You know, rentals and HomeAway came up, and I saw it. So we listed our properties on there and. A lot of our competition wasn't doing it. And you know what? It allowed me as a startup to kind of compete with the other, you know, big boys. And the the beauty of it though at the time, Will, is there it really wasn't that expensive. We would list every property on there, you know, the five we paid the five hundred bucks or whatever it was to get listed. We would we would, you know, I'm sure Homeaway wasn't, you know, didn't approve of this, but we would, uh, you know, get a couple key properties that we would get the kind of the highest, uh, you know, I think we paid for 16 photos. So it sorted us to the top. And that generated so many leads. Our acquisition cost per guest was like nothing. And we had, I remember one point counting how many leads. We had over 80,000 guest inquiries over one summer. Okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, to give you an idea of like the volume we were getting. Now, this is later on years down the road. But the, the fact, HomeWay, I, I, look, a lot of people have you know, some things to say about HomeWay and the OTAs in general and things like that. Mm-hmm. But had we you know, not started back then and, and the, the kind of the pricing uh, model wasn't set up that way, I don't think we would have been as successful as we were. But we were able to, we, we filled our calendars all the time. We had no problems on the guest side. So really to me, I realized for us to grow this business, it was all about inventory acquisition. If you don't have inventory on your shelves, you don't have a business, right? Yeah. You, could have a, you could have a thousand guests coming to your website a day, but if you don't have any inventory on your shelves, again, you don't, you don't have a business. That's really good. And that's one, it brings up a point that um, with Damien Sheridan, when we, I was speaking with him and a few others uh, on the book direct network and talking about, you know, what is a direct booking? And we talked about like, I think a lot of people get so anti OTA, which the, again, there's a give and a take with them. Right. But I think what you said was perfect. It was the customer acquisition cost. And, you know, I would rather much have a 3% Airbnb customer acquisition cost uh, than a, you know, $500 per lead that doesn't even book, you know, like I, I think there's a, there's a give and a take with that. So it's really good to hear. Um, now you, you kind of mentioned uh, briefly, you know, inventory on the shelves. Okay. So you can have full calendars and you have, you know, let's say you have the 500 properties, but they're all full and you have thousands of people coming through. There's a thousand people coming through that can't book and you can't grow your business. So inventory again is so key. And so I want to talk to you. Let's, I want to like, I'm so excited to, to dive into these uh, five hacks that you've uh, put together. I know you did, was it 21 hacks on your guys' webinar originally? Yeah, we did a webinar a couple of weeks ago on uh, 21 hacks and we went yeah. through it super, super fast. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's on our website. If anybody wants to listen to it, just Vintory.com. Perfect, yeah. And I'll make sure, I'll find the link and we can get that uh, pulled into the show notes here. Uh, Cause it was really good. It was really fast, but I think we can slow down for these top five right here. And uh, I want to start off with number one. Let's Let's kick it off. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it's the lowest hanging fruit. If you're a vacation rental uh, manager right now, the lowest hanging fruit you can do is update your landing page, your property uh, management page, your uh, owner page, whatever you want to call it. But the first thing I would always recommend to do is, first off, it blows my mind that very often people make it so difficult and challenging to find. 
if you, again, if you go through the valuation of what one new property is worth in your rental program, you start doing the math on this, you'll look at it totally differently. And, and we can talk about that later. But what I would actually recommend doing is putting like a button in the upper right-hand corner that says, you know, partner with us, list your home, something like that, that's, you know, the contrasting color that gets them to that landing page. That is key number one. When they actually go to that landing page, update it first off, you know, and follow the best practices. We actually have a guide. If you email me, Brooke, B-R-O-K-E at Vintory.com, I will actually email you uh, a guy, you know, copy of that guide, but it's an infographic that goes over the best practices of a landing page. So first up, it's like, you know, update your, uh, get a nice, good hero image that kind of depicts your brand, right? Mm-hmm. You want to have a form above the fold. Don't bury Like don't have an email address at the bottom of the, you know, the page, have a form above the fold. Don't ask too many questions, right? So often people will list like 30 questions because they want all this information, you know, just ask whatever you need, the basic essentials to make a decision, or at least to get a hold of them, uh, you know, name, you know, maybe uh, email, uh, phone number, and then maybe property address or just notes, but keep it very simple. You want to have your, your USP, right? Your unique selling proposition. Uh, if you have trust icons or what trust icon, example of a trust icon would be if you're an Airbnb super host, if you're A plus on the Better Business Bureau, if you're, you know, with the Chamber of Commerce, you know, Verma, anything that kind of helps build trust and credibility, you want to list it on there. And then what we recommend is actually going through and putting in there your, what we call, you know, your key features and benefits, like what sets you apart, what makes your company unique and different. And here's the thing, like, I, I, funny, when we go through this exercise, when we meet with any new partner, we, you know, have this whole we call it our key messaging report. We meet with them for a couple hours and we actually go through and really flush out what sets them apart. And a lot of them are like, you know, well, uh, you know, I guess revenue management, but everybody does revenue management now. And I'm like, but here's the thing. If nobody else is communicating it, highlight it, right? Make it, you know, point it out that show what you're, you you know, you know, that you do these things and and highlight those kind of features. Um, You know, if you do triple inspections, you know, do that. You know what I mean? Whatever sets you apart, there's key features and benefits, you know, list each one of them. Um, and then there's a whole other series of different things, but I, I could take up the entire show just describing it. But again, yeah, that's, but that my whole point is update that landing page because you have organic traffic already coming to your site. You have owners that are coming to your site right now and you just don't have, most people don't have a good funnel to kind of optimize them and capture them. And one little last little like kind of kicker is put chat on there. Chat does convert instantly, uh, you know, and there's tons of different chat bots out there you can use. Um, we, our, our Vintory platform has chat uh, built into it as well, but it will increase your conversion rates immediately from day one. 100%. And I'm, I'm going to speak as a testimonial to this because mm-hmm. watching that webinar with you guys, we immediately changed our whole, like our website was immediate, like totally guest facing in the beginning, uh, which is great to have. But right now, like you said, we don't really need to have a guest face, like we're going to have it in the future, but we don't need it right now. This is not our problem is getting bookings. We got bookings. We're full. We're great. Life's good. Owners are happy, but for new owners to get on, we didn't have anything like that set up. And we immediately made those changes. And I'm I'm not, I'm not even kidding you. Every organic piece of traffic we had come to our website had, we at least got, I think a good, like 40% return on that change just because like we would get like one person maybe submit. And then we had 20 in like a day. We're like, Oh, this is good. Like it's really easy. It's really simple. And I think putting that trust part on there too. Um, Cause we did, you know, our partners like a little strip there, just kind of showing like who we work with Airbnb, Verbo, uh, noise aware, safely, whatever, you know, and that does really help. We had a lot of people comment. What are these things? I've seen them on, you know, 
Facebook groups or I've seen them listed with a friend or at a property I stayed at. There's a lot of cool ways that you could do that. And I think it was, yeah, I just want to be a testimony to your guys' uh, your, your yeah. points there because they work. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, they're perfect. So, okay, let's go to point number two, though. I want to hear all more. Right. All right, let's drill down. Data, 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 data. So, again, 50% of all marketing comes down to data. So, you know, where do you get that data list? And this is why we have five data scientists on our team, literally. 10% okay. of our entire staff is data, our data scientists because it's so important. Um so what I would recommend, you know, it's like, all right, who are you going after? So that there's a couple different ways you can get this. The first is like tax records, right? You know, a lot of uh, states and counties and things like that have public tax records. You can download data. Obviously, it's free. That's the cheapest place uh, and the best place to start going. Often it's uh, tied and affiliated with your MLS service. Um, if you have a real estate wing or division, you can, you know, pull it from there. Um but sometimes it can be cumbersome. Sometimes you can only download like one record at a time and that's just not feasible. So the next yeah. area we would recommend going to is just a list broker. There's tons of them out there. If you just Google list broker, there's exact data. There's, there, I mean, if you just Google them, there's, there's Info USA. there's a bunch of them out there. Um, the key though with uh, list brokers is twofold. First, what you wanna do is you wanna make sure that you're asking for absentee owners. Absentee mm -hmm. owners are where the mailing address and the property address are different. Yeah. Uh, and that is usually an indicator of uh, a real estate investor or a second home. Uh, second, what you want to do is um, a lot of these companies, you can actually do what's called email and phone appends. Get that. Even if you're not going to email them, even if you're not going to um, uh, call them and things like that, you still want those. And I'll explain why in a little bit, why that's important. Um, and then um, from there, there's a couple different places you can go. So in, in many uh, kind of the cities and towns and things like that, they, if they require a tax, uh, I'm sorry, a permit, you can actually request from that, from that county, from that town, whatever city, municipality, whatever happens to be, you can actually request the vacation rental permit list. Now, they are going to push back on you. They do it. They make it very challenging in most uh, towns. Um, sometimes they'll literally make you go down there and actually like pay by check. And you have to like, I, I literally, one, one local county courthouse, they gave it to me on a CD-ROM. I'm like, I don't even have a CD, you know, I don't even know where to play this and download this thing, you know, uh, so they, they don't have to make it easy. Um, but here's what you do, need to do is uh, quote the Freedom of Information Act and they have to release it to you. So if you mention that, they will, but again, they won't make it easy. And then the last where place you can get data is uh, you can actually hire people. Uh, we recommend Upwork is a great place to hire these kind of people, but you can actually, uh, you can actually scrape the OTAs. Um, now, Airbnb masks their addresses. Uh, Verbo, I think they, I think like 70 or 80% of the addresses are, uh, you can, uh, you know, get. Um, and then some of the other ones, you can get uh, all the addresses. And what you do, though, is you want to overlay all this data, right? So you, this is why you need a data scientist. So again, I'd recommend going to Upwork. Unless you've got mad Excel skills, you're going to have to hire somebody on, uh, on Upwork to do this. But what you're doing, Will, is you're overlaying all this data on top of each other. So now, you have the property address from the OTA, but you're, and, and a lot of the information that comes from there is pretty impressive. It shows you if they're a professional property manager, if they're an RBO, how many bedrooms, what their, uh, you know, number of reviews are, how, what their review scores are, ADR. It, it gives you tons of data for filtering and segmenting in the future. But when you get this and you start overlaying it, all the other stuff, because again, remember, you're only getting the property address from the OTAs and all the other data is helping you match and get the, um, the mailing address and all the other contact information. But at least this gives you kind of a really good data set. And then what we recommend doing is actually segmenting your list. And you can segment it a couple of different ways. And again, I'm going to like the, the pro version here. But 
so you can segment it by what we call like our A targets, our B targets, and our C targets. Typically, we like to hit our A targets on a monthly basis. Our B targets, we like to hit on a quarterly basis. And our C targets, we hit on an annual basis or semi-annual basis. And this, when I say we, I'm meaning, well, this is the, the strategy we do on, on behalf of our partners uh, at Ventory. Um, so you can do it that way. And then you can even go one step further is you can actually start segmenting by personas. So we have like three, four, five, six different personas that we set up and we can actually change the messaging that we're sending to the personas. But because what we want to do is we want to, we want to address the pain points of each one of those personas. So like RBO Ruby is going to be a very different pain point than competitor Carla or venture back Victor, you know, from yeah. those <laughs> so you can actually change those, uh, the messaging directly to that. But again, I'm getting way, way ahead of myself. And that's like kind of pro level stuff, but those are the kind of things we do here at inventory for our partners is really kind of segmenting those lists and changing up the messaging based on the personas. Hey, I hope you guys are enjoying this episode and I wanted to drop in quickly to let you know that our partners at Jetstream have some of the best in class technology that sits at the heart of the guest experience with a focus on generating revenue for your property assets. With their platform, your property gets the best in class tech and integrations to remote access, guest screening, booking protection, and payment processing. Better yet, their team does all of the hard work of 24-7 guest communication and content creation. So go ahead, click the link in the show notes so you can jump on board today and take advantage of their professional hospitality team. Now, we're back to the episode. With all that information, you could definitely tell this is what you do for a living. Like this is like just watching you go. I'm like, man, this guy, like it's on, it's memory. Like you knew it, like the back of your hand is watching you see it. So that's really cool. And I want to like ask, I guess the, the, for a person like us, so like, We've, we've done the mailing list. We've, we've gathered some data, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, absentee owners with emails and also the staff and we would create campaigns to kind of hit those pain points like you're talking about. But my big question, because I, I personally want to know, I'm pretty sure people listening want to know, how do you know if data is good data? Like all this stuff is great. Like Verbo or scraping the OTAs is good. Um, but like with, when it comes to public tax records or anything like that, how do you know if this is actually good? Like information that is useful? Yeah, no, I mean, that's actually a great question because data, especially now where you're seeing, you know, so many homes are selling, yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. becoming outdated. Uh, and it, it is true. I mean, you, you just have to constantly update it. There's, I, I don't think there's any good way to know other than just using different sources. So we've probably tested, I would say from data brokers, probably a half a dozen to eight different data brokers. And we've just got a good comfort level with the one we're currently using. Yeah. Uh, and just, but it, it took us a while to, to kind of get to that, you know, that company. Now you can ask these data brokers, you know, they're all going to tell you the same thing. It's so funny. I, I ask them every single time. I'm like, how do I know your data is the freshest? So like we update it every 24 hours. We, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you, you, you really can't other than trial and error. Um, but there are certain things you can do where you can like, um, uh, you can run it through different software products and, and different uh, services out there to just make sure that it is matching with the uh, postal addresses just to kind of save on some of the returns. So there, there's a bunch of different sites out there that do that. Yeah. There's just so much to unpack. I'm just thinking, man, like to, to imagine that there is a job position called data broker like that. I never thought I would hear that. And so hearing that today, I'm like, wow, someone really created a data broker position where you just do this. So 
crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, well, let's hit point number three. And I think uh, for anyone who's listening, just to recap on all this stuff, I think it's really important that if you do have questions on this, if you're a property manager yourself, whether you have a hundred or five or one property, uh, there's a lot of resources on their website and we'll link everything. So, uh, you know, make sure to follow through on others on their, uh, on this content. Absolutely. And I'll just kind of talk about that. So we, we put so much free content on our website, on our blogs, on our videos, our, our learning studios, uh, videos and training lessons and things like that. I mean, my whole you know, motto from the beginning is help don't sell. So we've been mm. giving so much information. I literally give the keys to like how to do this, uh, you know, online, because I, I look, I know it's difficult. I know it's challenging. I have no problem giving this information out to everyone to do it themselves. I'm not like, we don't have any secret sauce really, you know, for what yeah. we do. It's just a lot of hard work. I mean, we have 50 people on our team doing all this for our partners. Right. Yeah. Um, and really allow kind of leveling the playing field, allowing the kind of moms, uh, small uh, mom and pop shops to compete, you know, and go head to head against mm-hmm. them. So I, I give all the content out there on our website, feel free to take a look at it and, and do it. But I also know how hard it is. And I also know I've been in your shoes. I know the bandwidth issues. I know that, <laughs> The Keystone managers are wearing 20 different hats. It's, you know, and I know what's going to happen is they don't have the bandwidth and the time uh, and the expertise to do it. So hopefully, you know, that pays back and they end up do, you know, calling us and have, you know, just hiring us to do it for them. But again, if you sure. want to do it on your own, the information is there. Well, I was going to ask you, before we get into point number three, I want to ask about Ventory itself, because I think we cover a lot of your past, but we, we haven't really touched on Ventory, like other than uh, this is all what you guys are doing for your partners and you have 50 staff members, but what are like, I heard, so you guys got, uh, accepted as one of the top three finalists for the VR, uh, tech awards. Right. And believe we did. Yeah. France. We just yeah. Uh, earlier about an hour or two ago, we just got, uh, made the time the top three, uh, for VR tech, uh, awards. So we are going to be going to An- Lake Annecy, France to present, uh, you know, us and, uh, two other companies and, uh, yeah, really super honored and, and humbled and, excited to, to get that award. Um, yeah, so it's uh, really, really exciting. So September 16th and 17th will be in France presenting uh, against uh, the two other uh, companies. So really, really grateful for that. Yeah. So what is the software that you guys are building on the back end? Is this going to be something that as a, as a company, it's going to streamline this process, I'm assuming, or what's it, what's it look like for you guys? Yeah. And I, and I apologize. I probably should have gone right into that after my kind of give my background. <laughs> yeah. So Vintory okay. is uh, we are a sales and marketing platform designed to do one thing and one thing only, and that's help professional property managers grow their inventory. So when I started this about two and a half years ago, it was just me. I literally, we just did it as like almost like a consulting business. It was like a marketing agency where we were helping people, you know, really everything I've learned over the last 14 years of being, you know, in the big heat industry of like showing them how to, you know, grow. Um, and what we would do is I always say we, we Frankenstein a bunch of like off the shelf type software solutions out there and uh, put it all together and then um, ended up, uh, you know, having, you know, kind of learning what, what our partners wanted. Right. And, you know, so we were one part marketing agency, one part like off the shelf type software solutions. And then I realized, you know, kind of using these, you know, using HubSpot and CallRail and Unbounce and all these different solutions out there, it didn't, it, it was good, but didn't really check all the boxes of what I wanted to do. So what we were able to do is actually self-fund or go figure customer fund our business and able to kind of build out the software product that we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we did that kind of behind the scenes and we iterated, we were testing it with our partners um, and we built an incredible uh, software product. So the software product, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a CRM with sales and marketing automation built into it. 
uh, again, designed to help vacation rental managers grow their inventory. So again, we are still one part marketing agency where we're, we're managing kind of this omni-channel marketing approach on behalf of our partners. Yeah. But we're also, you know, we built out this really cool tech stack I mean, this really cool CRM and sales and marketing platform that really helps nurture and develop, uh, and, you, know, the, you know, the leads that you get. Simple things like you literally just, when you just, just drag and drop like your, your lead into send contract and it'll automatically, what we actually do is put their management contract in our software and it'll automatically merge in all the fields. It'll send the contract automatically to, the, uh, uh, to your prospect. Once they sign it, you get notified. You just drag it to closed one, and then it sets up a whole bunch of automation to kind of do onboarding uh, to kind of help your team do all the onboarding steps that need to happen. Wow. So it's, it's really slick. It's, it's very inexpensive, uh, and it's a great product. And, and I'm sure at one point we'll talk about the value of, uh, of inventory and, and just talk about why there's such a solid ROI on it. Well, I was going to say that sounds incredible. I didn't think it like I didn't even think about that part because uh, onboarding an owner, um, you know, there's so many different ways you can do it, but I think a lot of host or property managers as they evolve, uh, the process gets streamlined out the out of, you know, throughout time. But uh, in the beginning, it's not very, uh, it's not very slick, like you just said. So no pun intended for everyone <laughs> listening, but, uh, yeah, so that's actually really cool. We'll, we'll dive into that. I definitely want to get into that because I think that itself is just a, cause sorry, I'm going to geek out for a second, but we talk about experiences for the guests, right? Always creating moments and experiences. But I think a lot of the times owners even get left out on that side. Like you should be creating experiences for them. And that experience should be ease of getting onboarded with you. They don't have to fill out 20 pieces of paperwork over and over and over again and submit new things and submit this and go back here and go do that. Like it should be pretty slick. Like, I don't know. Like that, <laughs> that to me is like, it's an experience in itself. So if you can take away the ease and intention with them there, um, that's always my opinion. I think experiences with, uh, you know, guests, owners, neighbors, communities, those are all really important. So, uh, glad to hear that's part of inventory. So yeah, it makes me excited. Agree more. Yeah. Awesome. Well, all right. Point number three, we got a little distracted, but yes. I'm back. We're back. So let's, <laughs> let's jump into it. All right. So number three would be direct mail, right? So direct yeah. mail, uh, you know, the vacational industry is one of the few industries where direct mail still works. Uh, but again, we talked about this before, the key is consistency. So we would recommend, again, hitting your A targets every month, your B targets on a quarterly basis, and your C targets on an annual or semi-annual uh, uh, kind of cadence. But yeah, vary it up, do different things. Uh, so, you know, postcards, we, we're still big believers in big six by 11, like high quality, good looking uh, images. Follow a lot of those best practices. We talked about the landing page, you know, obviously call to action, um, you know, give them multiple different ways to reach out to you, whether it be through email, through text, more and more people are like they preferred to actually texting. Um, and then um, you want to put those same things in there, the risk reversals, USPs, trust icons, social proof, all the kind of core elements of your landing page. Um, but again, vary it up. Uh, we actually have 12 of these uh, robots. These robots write handwritten letters that look, uh, you would never know they weren't written by, by, by a person. Um, and those stupid little handwritten letters get an incredible response rate. Um, but again, you want to vary it up. Um, some other strategies we recommend is like market reports. So we love key data dashboards. We're big fans of key data dashboards. Uh, part, uh, you know, partner with them, sign up with them, get some of your industry uh, data, your market data and create a market report. So we actually create an eight and a half by 11, almost like postcard. So like an eight mm -hmm. and a half by 11 piece of paper, but it's like postcard stock. And we actually print a market report on there. And we send that out to every one of our prospects. It positions you as the expert in the industry and in the market. Yep. 
And uh, again, it, it's, you may not get that call to action right there, but when they are ready to, to, to make a move there in your top of mind, they're going to reach out to you. There's a whole different series of things you can do. Um, even like FedEx envelopes, you can do just a basic, I mean, sometimes the best responses are actually the simplest. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a lot of success with just a very basic vanilla, uh, like le- we call it our legal letter. It literally is just a very simple type letter that just kind of introduces themselves and just say, you know, but very short and sweet. Um, those things work. Uh, other other kind of things we've done in the past, um, you know, you can get like, you know, you can send swag, like your, your A targets, you can start sending swag and, you know, logoed things. Um, but again, just consistency, you know, be in front of them all the time. Um, and it, it, it does work, you know, over time though, but it, you have to be consistent. If you just do the basic math, I mean, you know, so let's just say you sent a thousand postcards, let's say the average postcard cost a dollar and let's say, um, you know, you follow the direct marketing association, what they say, the average uh, response rate in the direct marketing association is one half of 1%. So 1000 postcards, $1,000 will get you five leads. If you kind of, your conversions are equal to where most people are, you have about a 20% conversion that gives you one deal. So a thousand dollars, you know, to give you one deal, um, you know, is, it doesn't sound like much, but trust me, that's great. Especially if you have kind of a high gross booking revenue property, um, what we found, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, but we found the average, uh, property, uh, manager ends up netting about 10% of the projected gross booking revenue. So if you've got a property that's doing 50,000 in, in gross booking revenue, Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to make 5,000 in year one. Uh, but we also know that the average property stays in a rental program for 10 years. So that means 5,000 times 10 years, that's, you know, $50,000 off a thousand dollar investment. I will take that all day long. Yeah. I was going to say that is a deal I will sign up for left and right. Um, I want to ask, cause I, maybe it's just a millennial in me, but oh, I think I'm a millennial. I don't really remember mm-hmm. what the age tipping points are for, for all that stuff. But I, I get when I get mail, if it's not a bill or something about voting, I throw it away. <laughs> and so what makes you think that you know, what makes people actually not throw these these direct mails letters away? Because I who knows, I probably have gotten some in the past, but I'm I'm a complete not junk, not junk, not junk, junk, throw away, shred, burn, whatever. And yeah, well, so, the first thing it's got to get your attention, right? And it has to be relevant to you. So yes, maybe at that point in time, it's not important to you. But if you were thinking about, you know, making a move in your, your home and you see this letter, it, you know, let's just say that you just got a bill, you know, an invoice from your current management company and they're nickel and diming you to death, right? Yeah. And you're like, you know, and you're like, you know what, maybe it is time for me to you know, start interviewing other management companies. So a lot of it does just come down to relevance and timing. And that's why, again, that goes back to the consistency principle. Um, but the other thing is, uh, you know, so with marketing, what they say is 50% is the, uh, is the list, 30% is a compelling offer and 20% is the general copy. So again, it goes back number two, you want to have a really good compelling offer. So say what you will about Vacasa, they had a great compelling offer and it was something to the effect of we'll beat your current management company or current numbers by $5,000 guaranteed. Yep. I mean, that kind of, that's a good compelling offer. And there's other, there's all, all different types of compelling offers you can do, um, but have something that kind of gives them uh, a reason to uh, ask. I've, I've heard another one says, we will not charge a commission. We'll, we'll charge a 0% commission for the first six months, or we'll charge, we won't charge any commission if we don't beat your current numbers. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So give them some kind of reason while you're standing over that trash can with your junk mail that kind of keeps them from dropping it into the trash can and put it onto the counter and, and kind of follow up later. 
I love that. I even have a friend um, in Texas that says, I will not take a commission if I don't get you five-star reviews. If I get anything below five-star, no commission. It's, that's it. Like and it. Uh, so, and it does great. Like he's the man with like him and his team have nothing but five stars and they have thousands of them. And I'm like, holy crap. Like they do really good when it comes. Cause that's, like that. yeah, it's a good one, but it's a risky one. I told him, I was like, man, okay. did you think about that at first? He's like, oh yeah. But when we set up our company goals, our mission statements, our core values, you know, we want nothing but the best for our guests, for our owners. And that's what it is. So perfect example of a compelling offer. So another example yeah. is my buddy, uh, David Angotti. Uh, he own, uh, owns a company called SmokyMountains.com. Uh, they used to be in the management business. Now they're just a, a kind of a niche OTA. But when they were yeah. in the management business, they had a 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you're ever uh, dissatisfied for any reason, you can call and cancel anytime and we will refund you the last month's uh, uh, you know, our commissions if you're not satisfied. Um, so they had a really high conversion rate. So that was a great, uh, compelling offer. It was also a risk reversal, if you think about yeah. it. Um, so yeah, there's some, some great different examples out there, but again, you gotta, you gotta have something for sure. Awesome. This is really good stuff. I, uh, I'm curious now to point four and five. All right. Uh, there's so much that we've just uncovered. So I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if we have, how is there more to cover? Like this is, this is, <laughs> this is good stuff. All right. So number four, let's do is custom audiences. So, uh, or list-based retargeting. Um, so you can do this through, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, all the social channels. And, if you're not familiar with this, this is where you can upload a list of your targets uh, into the social channels and they can serve up display ads directly to those targets. So this is not like, you know, traditional Facebook advertising where you're, where you're kind of triangulating based on their interest and likes and location and stuff like that. You are actually serving up uh, ads directly to these people. So um, we, we would recommend actually doing this in advance of like direct mail. So what we would do is say, you know, do this about a week before you start sending out your direct mail. You want to start, you know, serving up these display ads. But this is also when I when we were talking about data, why I said get emails and phones, because if you have emails and phones, you can actually do you can start serving up these because Facebook will. The reason they ask for your phone number, it's because that's your unique identifier. That's your social security number, if you will. Right. Huh. You, know, you, you know, that is how it's not for double authentication and security and all these things. No, it's for <laughs> because they can pick who you are specifically. So if I have your phone number, Will, I can serve up a display ad directly to you. Yeah. By doing this, you know, this custom audiences, it has this boost effect, right? It's that definition of synergy one plus one equals three. Um, so, you know, you're, you, we, what we would recommend is again, sending out the, uh, the custom audiences to their social feeds in advance and then hit them with direct mail. Uh, and then you want to continue to run those custom audiences uh, on all the social channels. And then we would actually recommend hitting them with email uh, afterwards. And again, it has this uh, definite uh, uh, boost effect, but the one thing we didn't talk about right there uh, is I think no, hack number five, which is the IP targeting. So, yeah, well, you, you familiar with uh, IP targeting? No, uh, let's see. I, I should be, you know, as, as t a tech guy, I should be more into this stuff. But this is the one area where it gets a little past my expertise. So I'm curious to know. Yeah. So if, if the CIA were ever getting into marketing, this is the channel that they would do, right? <laughs> it's called IP targeting. So what we do is we get that target list. Remember, we've identified our, 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 our personas, we've identified our A targets, our B targets, our C targets. And then what we want to do is we want to upload this list into an IP targeting software. And if you go online, there's about three or four different companies out there that do this. Um, and what they can do is they can actually match the IP addresses of your targets. So as long as you give them their name, their, um, uh, their address, 
they can actually 30 to 60% of the time, they can actually get the IP address of those homeowners. But this, remember, this is where they, the, where they live, not the property uh, owner or not the, uh, the property itself. So now what we can do is we can start actually serving up uh, ads directly to those people, just like we're doing custom audiences as they surf the web. So this can be, uh, you know, um, we can put it on ESPN, we can push it on, uh, you know, Weather Channel, CNN, Fox News, whatever happens to be local news stations, we can serve up those display ads. And really, we don't see a ton of interaction with those. Um, unless you have a really good compelling offer, it's more of like kind of that unconscious, you know, you're, you're building the brand. And again, if you do this in advance of the direct mail and the email, you get that boost effect on those direct mail and the email channels as well. So again, you do this in this wholesome kind of, uh, you know, omni-channel approach. It, it really kind of uh, works really, really well together. Well, I think, I think the way you're saying it with omni-channel you know, focus is really key because you know how many times I'm on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok even, and I'm seeing the same type of ad for a certain diet supplement or a certain product or a clothing brand or whatever it may be. And at the time, there's been a lot of times like, ah, nope, don't need it. Nope, don't want it. Nope, don't want it. But the one time I'm like, dang, that actually looks really good. I want that. I want to go get that. I want that product. And I make the decision to click. Um, you know, it does have that effect like you see it enough and it starts to become more of like a you know what i i don't even know if it's like a trust thing but it's like you kind of start to trust it a little bit more that it is in front of you all the time you are aware of it it's not brand new it's not scary so let's just say you see you're seeing on your social feed you're seeing on your you know as you surf the web this company that you've never heard of before and then you get a direct mail piece in in the mail you're like hey i've heard of them you know what i mean you have a little bit more trust and then you know, you look in there in your email, there's an email from that company. It's just, it all kind of comes together and it helps, yeah. uh, it helps with conversions. But I'm going to give you one more bonus hack. All right. Is that all right, Will? <laughs> oh, I'm totally okay with bonuses. Let's all do right. it. Bonus hack is retargeting. So we know the best performing landing pages out there, 80 to 95% of the time. So yes, we're trying to drive all this traffic to these, these landing pages, but we know 80 to 95% of the time, the people still aren't going to fill out the form. So you want to make sure you're using uh, some kind of retargeting code. So Google Tag Manager is a, kind of our best pick where it can manage, uh, obviously, the um, um, you know all the retargeting from Google, but also uh, Facebook and all the social channels. It just makes it nice and easy to, to manage that. And you can even, there's some, we actually have at Vintory, we actually do what's called direct mail retargeting. So somebody goes to our website, we're actually able to match their IP address. Within 48 hours later, we can actually send a postcard directly to them, you know, bringing them back. And the funny thing is, this actually happened to me. So I was uh, surfing the web. I was looking for new patio furniture on Wayfair. Uh, I went to the, all the way to almost buy it, and I ended up pulling. I didn't pull the trigger. And yep. guess what? Two days later, three days later, I had a big postcard with the exact same patio furniture I was looking at was sitting in my on a postcard. And the company we use for direct mail retargeting here at Inventory. Uh, that's one of their biggest clients is Wayfair. So it, it worked. Uh, I ended up buying that patio furniture. Uh, so it's, uh, it, it's kind of a cool, uh, another little, uh, bonus hack. Yeah, no, I love that. I think it's something we can learn because I think channels like Airbnb, uh, Wayfair, um, Amazon's really good at this, that abandoned cart type situations. Like you get close to pulling the trigger, but you don't do it. Well, I did the same thing with Airbnb. I was looking in, uh, San Diego and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go to San Diego. I'll leave it alone. Well, guess what? Directly 
you know, a day later, wake up to my email and there's San Diego's calling and, you know, it's an email from Airbnb. And then of course a notification pops up on my app and, or my phone. And it, it, it's a, it's a good refresher reminders. Like yeah, at the moment, I didn't feel like, you know, clicking the, the, the trigger of the book now button, but now this morning, now that maybe I'm not as a tipsy from the night before and making a dumb decision as I'm sober minded or whatever it may be, I can make that decision and, and go for it. It's kind of like a good refresher. And I think we can learn a lot as property managers, not only for our guest, you know, marketing, but for this type of stuff that we're doing with owners and inventory. Um, it's really key. So we're always learning from other industries and I think it's a, uh, a good thing to do, but I have a question for you to kind of top this episode off. And, uh, what is, let's say the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway as you guys are partnering up with all these kind like, I'm seeing like talk about omnipresent you guys with Ventory itself are omnipresent. I see you on Instagram. I see you on LinkedIn. I see you on Facebook. I see you guys everywhere. So what is the biggest takeaway that your partners are getting right now? What is the, I guess you kind of mentioned earlier, what's the value of a good portfolio like this to a vacation? Like we talked about, you know, that uh, comparison, you know, if you spend a thousand, you get 50,000. It's a really good return, but what is the real value? How do you get this like takeaway, you know, business acquisition type value for, uh, for your guys' partners? Cause this is something that we kind of covered in the pre-chat, but what's, how do you determine that? What's the biggest, keep, yeah. Keep- Keep going. Explain. Explain. Yeah, maybe I'm. I think I'm asking two questions at once. Okay. But uh, what's the biggest takeaway that your guys' partners are getting right now with inventory, with all these new things happening? But then with this return or these takeaways that they're getting as a company, how can you determine the value of a proper portfolio? Got it. So I mean, the first thing is you know adding. Adding inventory is the biggest way that you can move the needle in your business right now, right? So most part, most of our partners that we have, most vacational managers currently right now, they've got, they have no inventory on their shelves, right? But they've got all these people, you know, these shoppers, if you will, going to their website, looking for inventory, and they don't have it in there. So by adding one new property, your, your acquisition cost on those guests is virtually zero because you already have this, you know, like right now, like I, I have a property in Bethany Beach, Delaware. I had uh, two weeks cancel. I, I jacked the rates up by 25% and I literally booked both weeks within, um, within uh, uh, 12 hours. I had another cancellation a couple of weeks later. I jacked rates up again, you know, even additional. And uh, I had it booked within two hours. So again, you have this existing traffic already coming to it. So again, it's found money at this point. So every new property we say, it's like, adding one property is like adding is like booking a hundred guests. Um, and if you look at the value of inventory in general, it can be, it can be a couple of things. So like I had a, one partner that told me, said, Brooke, I never want to grow more than a hundred uh, uh, properties. You know, he's like, here's what I want you to do. He's like, I just want better inventory. I want to get better and better and better. I'm never going to get more than a hundred. So every year what we did is we said, look, we're going to take the top kind of those top 10 properties that he has. We're going to replicate those. And we're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to prune the bottom 10 properties. Mm-hmm. So every year he's going to have a hundred, he's still going to have a hundred properties, but he's going to increase his gross booking revenue, you know, by 20% or so. And then not only that, his margins are going to go up even exponentially. So it's a lot of it, this whole inventory acquisition in general comes down to, it's like, look, it doesn't nec- necessarily mean you have to like become a huge company. It's mm-hmm. just getting better inventory 
and having you know better quality inventory, having better uh, gross booking revenue, better uh, commissions, and then better margins. Um, but again, if you, I, I would argue there's not a better ROI on the planet than adding one new property to a rental program. And we, I started kind of doing the math a little bit before on this, but if you add a property that's doing $50,000 in gross booking revenue, again, it's going to, you know, you, the average vacation rental management company gets 10% margins. So that's $5,000, you know, in year one, but the average property stays in a rental program. It, well, it depends what your churn is. So yeah. churn is what percentage of inventory do you lose in a given year? So if you lose, let's say 10%, you just divide one divided by 10%. That gives you your lifetime in years. So one divided by 10% is 10 years. So that 5,000 times 10 years is $50,000, but it's actually more than that because each year your, your, your gross booking revenue, you know, goes up um, and it's going to appreciate as And typically we're seeing it appreciate 5%, 7% shoot this last year. I think many people are up 25, 30%. Uh, so that number, and then What's going to happen is if and when you ever decide to sell your company, that that's really what management companies are buying. So when Vacasa buys another management company, the guests are great and everything else. The team is great. Don't get me wrong. But really what they're buying is the actual management contracts. Yeah. And we've seen these management contracts go for anywhere between nine and $25,000 or even more uh, per contract. So think about that. If you, <laughs> you have one property, one management contract, uh, you know, that that's, you know, between nine and $25,000 is really the true value of that contract when you go to sell it. So you make money year after year after year. And then if, and when you decide to sell your business, you're going to get a lump sum for, for every one of those. Yeah. That's amazing. And I've heard, we've heard a lot of cool success stories with that, you know, with, especially in the beginning of the pandemic with a lot of people, uh, excuse me, selling off a, a good chunk of either just inventory itself, not the company, but Hey, we're going to sell a portion of our portfolio. They get that equity uh, or cash flow or whatever you want to call it uh, to keep their business afloat. And then they go out once the, the you know pandemic started recovering a little bit more, they went and scooped up more inventory and boom, they're back to you know getting more gross revenues again. So really good stuff. Really good stuff. Well, Brooke, I always, I, you know, we always say, you know, everything's in the show notes. You can click the links in the bottom, but I love to have our guests uh, be able to do a shameless shout out. So number one spot for people to find you and get more information. Yes, yeah, real simple. Just go to Vintory.com, V-I-N-T-O-R-Y.com, uh, or feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, as as well. So yeah, I, I appreciate uh, appreciate the time. This is fun. Of course. Yeah, we're definitely, I think uh, we have to revisit this. I want to maybe do like a part two or, uh, you know, a follow-up interview with you on, you know, see when the the tide of the industry changes a little bit see if um, maybe we're scrambling to get bookings after a while and uh, some, something happens. I don't know. We'll see, but uh, it'll be, a, it'll be a fun episode part two, but thank you for being on the show and for all the slick talkers who are listening, we'll be back again next week. So make sure to check everything out and we'll see you all again soon. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Smart locks, smart thermostats, automation, and a solution for any hotel and vacation rental company. Our show partners at Operto are the leading solution for operators to enhance their operations by integrating with your property management software and making sure that all your smart devices create a contactless guest experience while streamlining your operations. 
So don't forget to check them out on their website. Send me a message or just let them know that Will sent you and you are in good hands. So get ready to enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, and check out operto.com or go to the podcast website and see our partners page. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast, then you are amazing, and thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill-out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast.